Hello and welcome to Wall Street Vision, a show that explores investment ideas from the best investors in history. I'm your host, Vlad. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. For this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about Dr. Michael Berry. He was one of the big institutional investors that bought GameStop early on, before all the madness surrounding the short squeeze. He's been in the news a lot lately, so I wanted to do an episode on him and his style of investing. He's the character played by Christian Bale in The Big Short, by the way. I'll start the show with the Mike Berry story, and afterwards I'll jump into the lessons we can learn from him. While in grade school, his dad shows Mike a stock table at the back of the newspaper and tells him that the stock market is a crooked place that you can't trust. That starts Mike's fascination with the stock market. It's funny how common this is. The one thing your parents don't want you to do is often the thing that you're so drawn to. He had an eye removed when he was two years old, and kids constantly tease him about his fake eye. He has trouble making friends. That's something that is consistent throughout his life. That's hard on him, not being able to make friends and always being teased as a kid. Socially, Mike doesn't have it easy at all. On the other hand, he has an extreme ability to focus. He's able to ace any school test with minimal studying because his brain is great at absorbing and recalling information. He goes to UCLA, then Vanderbilt University, and becomes a neurology resident at Stanford. Ever since he was a kid, he had a fascination with the stock market. But he only bought stocks on the side and instead chose to pursue his medicine career. So Mike Berry is this neurology med school student when he really starts getting into investing. I mean, here's this guy being a resident in med school during the day while at the same time writing stock picking ideas on his blog at night. Being a resident in med school is super hard and it requires working like 12 to 14 hour days. And on top of this, Mike's writing these amazing stock pitches on his site. His website starts to get quite well known around the investment industry to a point where professional investors are copying his trades and making money off of them. So Mike quits medicine and starts up his own investment firm called Scion Capital. The head medical person at Stanford thinks that Mike's gone crazy. I mean, who else would do such a huge career change? But that's how his mind works. If he decides that something doesn't make sense anymore, he's okay with changing course, even if it's not the socially acceptable thing to do. And you see him doing this in his investments as well. At this point, his stock picking letters are so well known in the industry that Mike gets cold called by two big name investors who want to invest in his new fund. Joel Greenblatt is one of the investors. Greenblatt is a super well known as an amazing investor with a great long term track record. So Joel wants to meet with Mike. As a testament to Mike's social awkwardness, he doesn't even own a tie. Just a blue sports coat that he would wear to funerals. So Mike's going to this big fancy meeting and he panics about not being dressed appropriately and he runs to a tie rack to buy a tie. I can just picture him freaking out a bit before meeting these big name investors. Funny enough, everyone at the actual meeting is wearing t-shirts. Mike gets offered a million dollars for Joel to own part of the new investment company. They sign the deal. I think the main reason he did it is to have enough money to cover his personal living expenses. That would allow him to focus on investing 100% of the time without having to worry about paying his grocery bill. You've got to remember that at that time, Mike was just starting out his professional investment career. So he spends a few years making stock picks and his performance is amazing. He's absolutely crushing it. He 
is recognizing patterns that no one else was seeing. Mike's managing quite a bit of money at this point for some clients, and they all think that he's amazing. Then he discovers the most lucrative investment. He finds these mortgage bonds that have a high rating, but in reality, they're likely to default. Mike does a ton of research. He reads the bond prospectus documents. These are like 130 pages of boring legal writing. He reads over a dozen of these cover to cover, and he scans through hundreds of them to make sure that he's making the best possible investment. So he's convinced that this is a huge investment that's going to pay off. He comes up with a way to bet against these bonds. It's a bit of a complicated thing, so all you really need to know is that if you buy a credit default swap, or CDS as they're called, that's a way of making a bet that the bonds will go down in value. And Mike's predicting that these bonds, although they have a high rating, they actually shouldn't have a high rating and that they have a high probability of going bankrupt. So Mike backs up the truck and loads up on these CDSs. He's betting that the bonds will go down in value and this will make him a ton of money. Now remember, Mike's made a killing for his investors up to this point. But as soon as his investors find out that he's going for this new strategy, they get pissed. They're angry that he's trying this new method when picking stocks is working so well for him. The clients call and send angry letters, and this puts a lot of pressure on Mike. Now, instead of just focusing on making the best investment, he also has to deal with these angry clients, and he has to explain himself to them over and over again. By the way, Mike's return at this point is a positive 242% compared to his benchmark, which has a negative 6.8% return. So he's doing an amazing job and still investors are not happy with him just because he changes the investment style from buying stocks to buying CDSs. His clients are angry that he's not just buying value stocks like he used to. There's so much pressure on Mike from his clients that he has to fire half his small staff and dump billions worth of CDS bets. The story has a somewhat happy ending for Mike because it turns out that he's right. Those bonds he bet against, well, they go bankrupt and he makes boatloads of cash. He earns over $100 million personally and makes his investors more than $700 million. Even though he's right and made his clients a lot of money, he never gets any apologies from investors or any gratitude. It's just dead silence. After all this, most of the investors call and ask to take their money out because they feel that Mike is a bit of a loose cannon. So Mike ends up closing Scion Capital, and in 2013, he opened Scion Asset Management, where he continues stock picking today. So that's the Mike Berry story, but what are some investment lessons we can take away from it? Lesson 1. Focus is everything. This is where Dr. Michael Berry is extremely strong. He has self-diagnosed Asperger's Syndrome, and one of the symptoms is a deep obsession with a specific topic. In Mike's case, his obsession is with stocks. You can see the level of obsession when you realize how deep he goes in his research. This shows through when you read his quarterly letters that are available on valuewalk.com. It's, I wasn't able to get a hold of any of his recent quarterly letters, but there are some floating around that you can find from his earlier days at Scion. When Mike was shorting the subprime mortgage bonds, he would read these boring 130-page prospectuses that were written for each bond. No one apart from the lawyers drafting those documents actually read them, but Mike read over a dozen and scanned through hundreds of them. That's the dirty, non-glamorous side of investing that you don't hear about. In order to have an edge, you've got to be willing to do more than your competitors, and in Mike's case, it's going deep into this research. 
Obsession is a strong help if you want to be the best in any industry. This includes investing. It's amazing to see how thorough the research is for Mike Berry. Let's look at his CDS trade. When you read his quarterly letter, you really get a good insight into how deep he goes on his research. He figured out that some mortgage bonds were going to go bankrupt. He wants to make a bet against them, but he doesn't know how to do it. So he researches obscure financial instruments and reads about credit default swaps in a financial derivatives book. He then persuades banks to let him bet against these bonds. These financial products didn't exist, but Mike convinced the banks to create these financial products so that he could buy them. So not only is he willing to go super deep on his research, but he's also willing to persuade someone to create a financial product that would allow Mike to make his trade. Lesson 2. Broadly speaking, there's three categories of companies, and you want to make sure you understand which type of company you're investing in. Intrinsic value is essentially the true value of a company. It's what the company would be worth to a perfectly rational investor with perfect information. The intrinsic value is what analysts try to calculate before buying a stock. The quoted price in the stock market might match the intrinsic value, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes companies are being sold for more or less than they're worth. So Mike Berry talks about there being three types of companies. The first is companies where there's a growth in the intrinsic value. These are companies that are investing in projects that earn a return above the company's cost of capital. That's a fancy way of saying that the company makes a lot of money on any additional investments that it makes. For example, if you have a cloud computing company that's growing at a huge rate and it can't keep up with demand, if that company builds an additional data warehouse to be able to service more clients, they're probably in a situation where they have increasing intrinsic value. Now, you also have companies where intrinsic value is staying about the same. So it's usually a company in a mature industry with steady cash flows. If their return on invested capital is equal to the cost of capital for the company, broadly speaking, the company is not increasing or decreasing its intrinsic value. And you also have companies with a decreasing intrinsic value. If the company is making investments that earn a small return, or if it's launching products that fail again and again, it's shrinking intrinsic value. The decreasing intrinsic value can be a classic value trap where you see a stock selling cheaply, but it's selling cheaply for a reason. It's like a melting ice cube. Those are the types of situations that Mike Berry tries to avoid. Lesson three, it's really, really, really important not to permanently lose your capital. If you have $100 and you're trying to double your money, a 33% loss means that you need a 50% gain just to break even. That's why it's crucial to avoid permanent loss of capital. Mike Berry and many value investors use a margin of safety when they buy a stock. A margin of safety is their way of preventing permanent loss of capital. So for Mike Berry, it's really important to avoid situations where there's a chance of losing all his money on an investment. Lesson four, looking for special situations. In the October 2nd, 2001 letter, Mike discusses buying up a stock that is really out of favor at that time. He mentioned that the investment funds would want to dump the stock because it's not popular in the media. And in the letter, he also says that there's this very large institutional investor that used the stock as collateral for a loan. This institutional investor disclosed that they're selling several weeks worth of volume, essentially not caring about the price and just dumping the stock. Well, Mike Berry loaded up on the stock. So this is an example of taking advantage of a unique opportunity. 
the selling of the institutional fund means the stock price would get driven down without any sort of change to the intrinsic value of a stock. That opportunity led to this stock being the largest position in Mike's fund. Turns out, the stock tripled in about a month, and a month later, a competitor agreed to buy all the stock of the company at seven times of the price that Mike bought it at. Mike Berry is clearly very focused on finding these unique opportunities where the risk and reward are asymmetric. So he's looking for these opportunities where there's a ton of rewards and the risk is really small. To me, it looks like he scans all types of assets, including farmland, derivatives, stocks, bonds, commodities, and so on, when he finds something that looks out of place, and then he starts digging deeper and asking questions. He's willing to go to the source information to become an expert on that specific topic. And once he does enough research, if he understands that there's an asymmetric risk to reward, then he invests. Another example of a special situation would be when Mike bought farmland with water access after the great financial crisis because he believed it was really undervalued. So he went and bought actual land because it was the best value. He didn't buy a farm stock because the valuation of the raw land was much more enticing. Lesson 5. He's not afraid of volatility because it creates opportunity. The analogy here is that Mike wants to buy a dollar for 60 cents. He finds these stocks that are being sold at a discount, and he invests in them. A lot of these are highly illiquid companies where their price fluctuates a lot. But for Mike, he doesn't see that as a risk. From his perspective, who cares if the price fluctuates a lot as long as you're getting the stock for an amazing price? He mentions that some of these illiquid stocks would get hammered if another investor were to sell as little as 2,500 shares. That's how small some of these companies are. He bought some at 20% free cash flow yield and at a price that was half its private market value. His point is that the value will get realized at some point in the future. The key thing is being able to wait until that happens. Lesson 6. Buy stocks like you're buying a business. His goal is to buy stocks for prices so low that if a potential acquirer wanted to buy the whole company, they'd have to pay a big premium. And he's really analyzing the purchase like he's buying the whole business. Warren Buffett always talks about this as well. This makes it easier to see the really important aspects of investing instead of focusing on more superficial things like price volatility. Lesson 7. Be willing to hold an investment for a long time. There's a stock example in one of the letters where the valuation got so low that it was trading at 75% of the free cash flow of the trailing 12 months. Mike Burry states that there's a decent chance of recovery over the next one to two years and there's a really good chance of recovery over the next five years. Mike also states that these gains don't depend on an economic recovery. That's an example of his thought process for buying the stock. He recognized that he'll need to hold the investment for a while until other people recognize its value. He's willing to wait a number of years for this to happen. Lesson 8. He mentions buying companies with widening moats that are able to raise their prices at a rate that's higher than inflation. So that point is all about making sure that the business that he's investing in is stable and that it has pricing power. Lesson 9. Mike loves to focus on individual investments. He doesn't try to predict big macro trends. In his letters, he even mentions that he doesn't like to comment on the overall market. Instead, he focuses on the valuation of individual securities. Overall, the market is hard to predict, and human emotion plays too much of a role. So his goal is to control the variables you can control, handicap your risk as much as possible, and make those asymmetric bets. 
That's Mike's investment philosophy. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day.